This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Dr. David Sass, a pediatric nephrologist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and my discussions will be focused on pediatric topics. The newborn exam is foundational in pediatrics and one of the best parts of being a pediatrician. While admiring the adorable newborn, however, pediatricians are tasked with making sure all systems appear healthy and normal. One of the trickier aspects of this exam can be determination of the presence and proper positioning of both testes in newborn males. What's the best way to determine if the testes are truly undescended? And when should we order imaging or refer babies to our expert colleagues in pediatric urology? Today, we're joined by Dr. Candice Gramberg, a board-certified pediatric urologist at the Mayo Clinic Children's Center here in Rochester, Minnesota. I'm delighted to have her here to guide us through the evaluation and management of a child suspected to have undescended testicles. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Gramberg. Thank you for having me. So Dr. Gramberg, how common are undescended testes and what do we know about the causes or risk factors? So it's actually pretty common. If you look at term healthy newborn boys, about three in a hundred will have an undescended testicle. And Throughout the first few months of life, they'll undergo a testosterone surge that all boys undergo, and about two-thirds of those will end up descending on their own. So if you looked at six-month-old baby boys, about one in a hundred will end up having a true undescended testis. If you ask, you know, what are the causes, you know, do we know what causes it? We actually don't. There's been a lot of research done to look at, is there a genetic link? Are you inheriting it from a family member? Are there environmental factors? And it's probably multifactorial. So in the end, we say it just happens, but there certainly have been some families where multiple males within the family can have a history of an undescended testicle. Okay, so why do we care? What complications can occur from unrecognized undescended testes? So I think the biggest one that pediatricians are taught and that parents hear about and worry about, we worry about it as well, is cancer. So if a testicle isn't in the right place, it is at a slightly higher risk of developing cancer within it. And so it's really important to diagnose it and to treat it uh, to decrease that risk. And so if you looked at the overall risk, it's about two to eight times higher in an undescended testicle. But if you bring that testicle down before puberty, it decreases that risk three to six times, which is great. The other risk that people worry about is fertility. If you have one undescended testicle, the paternity rate is actually the same as been with two testicles. It's about 90%. But if both testicles don't make the trip down to the scrotum, that's where the risk of fertility or hormone issues is much, much higher. So the paternity rate for bilateral or both sides, testicles not making it down is about 62%. The other worry is torsion. A testicle can twist on itself. If a testicle doesn't make it down to the scrotum on its own, the attachments are, we say, kind of loosey-goosey, and the testicle may be at a higher risk of twisting on, on its cord structures. So those are the main things that we talk to parents about when we first tell them your child has an undescended testicle, and here's why you're going to see a urologist and why they're going to want to fix it. You mentioned puberty as one of the critical time points. Can you tell me more about the timing of the complications? Yes, there's reasons that we operate early. One of the main reasons is the germ cells or the cells that will form sperm so that children can become fathers. Those cells start early in life. And if they aren't in the right environment, they can be affected early in life. And so we know that an undescended testicle already starts out life with less germ cells than a normally descended testis. And if you bring it down in the first six to 18 months of life, 
you're preserving those germ cells. We see a drop off in those germ cells around 18 months of age, and then actually a second drop off once boys turn somewhere between eight to 10 or 11 years old. So that's why when we wrote the latest AUA guideline, our overarching society that tells us what the best practices are, they told us that this risk is the reason we should be operating on babies sometime between six and 18 months of age. So one of the main reasons we chose that time period is to preserve the germ cells for their future fertility. The other, as I mentioned, was the cancer risk being decreased. And so putting a testicle down in the scrotum, it, that testicle still has a slightly higher risk than the general population of developing cancer, but at least it's in a position where boys can do their self-exams once a month in the shower when they turn into a teenager, because we know that the highest age risk for testicular cancer is still between 15 and about 40. And so just by putting it down in the scrotum, that's where they'll learn to do their self-exams once a month. The torsion can occur at any age. And so it's really kind of scary to know, you know, if the testicle is not in the right place, is it going to twist on its own? So we do want to get that testicle where it belongs early. And then as far as the hormone function, the fertility, we really wouldn't know that until later in life, putting it down where it belongs, like I said, would preserve those germ cells. Great. I remember when I was an intern and first doing newborn exams that, boy, sometimes it sure was challenging to figure out, was I feeling the testicle? Was it descended or retracting or what? So do you have any tricks or special techniques that you can recommend to improve physical exam skills in this area? Absolutely. I'll first say that actually a lot of pediatric residents and even urology residents don't feel comfortable with the scrotal exam despite having excellent training wherever they went to residency. So we do try to give some tips and tricks on, on how to locate a testicle. So the first step that I always teach our trainees and when I give talks to pediatricians and family med doctors is to first just visualize the scrotum. If the scrotum is symmetric, meaning it's got the same sort of wrinkles on both sides, the same fullness on both sides, it's very likely that that testicle is somewhere. In utero, they gave a pericrine effect of that testosterone for that skin to develop its rugae or its wrinkles. And so somewhere that testicle was working at some point in time. So the first thing we say is inspect before you palpate. So do you see a symmetric scrotum? Yes or no. An asymmetric scrotum would give you the first sign that the testicle either is not there at all, meaning it didn't even form correctly, or it's just not in the right place. The second thing we say, what's super important is babies and children and kids and teenagers have to have really soft abdominal muscles. The wall of the abdominal muscles are connected to the wall of the scrotum. And so if you tense up your tummy muscles, they tuck their testicles up. It's a protective reflex. A ball is coming at them, a hockey stick, what have you. They're trying to protect their testicles and they'll do the same in the doctor's office. So if you think about a well-child visit, y'all are poking in the eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and they finally work their way down to the scrotum. And there's a panic moment where they're going to grab them. And so they will protectively tuck those testicles up. If it's a cold room, they'll tuck their testicles up. It's again, a reflex. So having a warm room and then having them in the right position. We always say they should be kind of in a frog leg position. Frequently boys don't want to pull their pants all the way down or the parents will just pull them down to just below their hips. They really need to be either all the way off or down at the ankles so we can have relaxed frog leg. That's what relaxes those abdominal muscles, kind of dampens that cremasteric reflex. And I always say we should really milk the testicles down. So you start at the top of the inguinal canal and just kind of push steadily and then stop where the canal ends, you're at the top of the scrotum. And then when you grab within the wrinkles, you can feel, oh, there's the testicle. And then you really kind of have to wait a little bit. Our AUI guideline says wait 30 seconds because it'll sort of tire out the cremasteric reflex. And then the testicle should sit there. And if it sits there on its own after about 30 seconds, 
that's just a retractile testis. That's a normal entity. If you pull down on that testicle and it springs right back up again, or if you pull on the testicle and those cord structures are tight, like you could strum a guitar string, that's a testicle that's not where it needs to be, whether it's a baby or it's a teenager or somewhere in between. So the two things I compare to are the old paddle toy with the ball on the rubber band. If that testicle bounces like the ball on the rubber band, that's a retractile testicle, one to keep an eye on at those well-child visits. If you pull on the testicle and it's tight like a guitar string that you could strum, that's a testicle that either is undescended or potentially is an ascended testis. It made its way down, but now it's on its way back up with growth spurts, what have you. So those are the ones that definitely need to come and see us in the urology office. So that is tremendously useful advice. Now, if despite my best efforts and doing all those things you said, I cannot confidently palpate one testicle, should I consider any imaging at that point? That's a great question. So the guideline that came out in 2014 specifically says in item six to not order any imaging prior to a urology referral for a few reasons. Number one is they're grossly inaccurate despite their best efforts, but despite the best radiology technicians, they have a really hard time finding testicles simply because again, the kids are skittish, the ultrasound jelly is cold, they're pushing on their canal with this big ultrasound probe. So the sensitivity and specificity of an ultrasound is actually really low, so low that it's just not worth getting the study. And if you try to give an MRI, they're gonna need anesthesia. If you do a CT scan, they're getting radiation. And none of those studies are gonna change the fact that we have to do an exam and then we have to take them to the operating room if we don't feel a testicle. So the bottom line across all imaging studies None of them are 100% accurate in saying there is no testicle, so it's not worth even going and looking for it. So regardless, we want them sent to us, we'll do our exam, and we'll be taking them to the operating room if we can't feel it. As far as the truly bilateral non-palpable testicles, those are the ones that are in a whole different category. They're getting a workup with pediatric endocrinology, genetics, and those kids will be getting imaging studies for different reasons, but that's extremely, extremely rare. Most of the time, if I hear bilateral testes and it's a undescended testicles and it's a two or a three-year-old, it's just a chubby kid with an active cremasteric reflex. Please don't send them off for ultrasound. We're also quite concerned that eventually insurance may not cover it simply because we have this guideline that says don't do it. And the last thing we want is families to be slapped with a big bill for something that won't change the plan. Excellent. Let's say I'm seeing an infant for a return visit. In previous visits, I've documented that the testicles were down. I did a physical exam and I was able to palpate both testicles, but today I can't find one or both. What happened? Did I miss it in the past or can I trust my prior exam and consider that something has changed? What do I do next? Almost always, I will say, trust your prior exams. Most of the time, the kids, again, they're skittish, they're nervous, they're tensing their stomach muscles. As they get older, that cremasteric reflex becomes really active. So in those first few visits, two months old, four months old, six months old, they're just laying there cooing, adorable, as you said, and, and their testicles are just hanging where they need to be. But as soon as that cremasteric reflex kicks in, they're tucking their testicles up. They also can develop a fat pad that really kind of envelops the scrotum and the penis or both. And that really makes it difficult to feel where the testicles are. And it takes some time sometimes to really push back on the fat pad and find the testicles. And so what happened was the kid grew, the kid got chubby, the kid got skittish, the testicles almost certainly are there. So in those instances, what I would say is 
ask the mom, ask the child, ask the dad, ask the uncle, whoever's caring for the child most often, ask them, do you see the testicles down when you change the diapers? Do you see the testicles down in the bathtub? Do you feel your own testicles in the shower? And more often than not, they'll be able to say, yeah, every time I give them a bath, they're hanging down in the tub. And that would reassure you that maybe he's just nervous today. And you can either have them keep checking at home, bring them back for a separate straight up genital urinary exam where they're not getting poked and prodded everywhere else and really just focusing on that warm room frog leg position relaxed abdomen to try to feel the testicles a second time and if you have brought them back or if they don't feel them down and you're having trouble that's certainly a time to send them to urology right and so ultimately some of these patients are going to require surgery so what can parents expect for their child who needs surgery for an undescended testicle so again, the, the best time that we do surgery is between six and 18 months of age. So really those first few exams are critical to identify, is this an undescended testicle or not? The reason we need to know is because around six months of age, we can offer spinal anesthesia. And so we've been doing that at Mayo Clinic now for several years, where instead of that worry about my baby needs surgery, general anesthesia, what are the side effects of anesthesia, we're able to do spinal anesthesia where they get just a single shot in their lower back. They're completely numb from belly button down. And we're able to do surgery on their baby while they're just sucking on a pacifier and swaddled up and listening to a white noise machine. And so some of the fear of the undescended testicle surgery discussion is the risk of anesthesia. So we do spinal anesthesia between six and 12 months of age. So it is a time sensitive situation. So that's another reason we wanna see those babies at six months so we can plan for that surgery. The surgery itself, it's, it's straightforward in that it's an outpatient surgery. They don't have to stay overnight in the hospital. And again, if we can feel any tissue, we're typically gonna make either one scrotal incision right in their own wrinkles or a groin incision similar to where a hernia is and then a second incision in the scrotum for the pocket where we're gonna put the testicle where it belongs. Those sorts of incisions are really well tolerated when it comes to recovery. And so most babies are getting by with just Tylenol and ibuprofen. They don't need opioids. They don't need anything stronger. And realistically, the success rate of the surgery is very, very high. There's a 95 to 100% success rate of getting that testicle down where it belongs and not needing a second surgery. Now, most of these undescended testicles in the babies and the toddlers are associated with an open hernia sac. Those testicles started kind of up by the kidneys where you live, and then they work their way down the belly, and then they punch through this channel to get down into the scrotum. That channel can stay open, so the testicles kind of peeping in and out of the abdomen. So at the time of doing the undescended testicle surgery, we're actually also tying off the hernia sac, so it's kind of a two for one. The hernia sac itself is what's really pulling those cord structures up and making that testicle not let it go where it needs to. And in older kids, that's also the reason we can get that secondary sort of ascended testicle. They had a growth spurt and that hernia sac pulls that testicle up. And so we're going to free that up. The other thing is the, the incisions heal really well. So all the stitches are dissolvable. Nothing really needs to be removed. And they're really just out of activities like swimming pools, swimming lessons, anything that involves straddling for about two weeks. So that availability of spinal anesthesia really sounds like a great advance and I'm sure is really reassuring for parents to hear about. Is there anything else you want pediatricians to know about undescended testes? Yes, I think some of the big take-homes I know we covered was, you know, the first and foremost, we have to have an accurate diagnosis. So the most critical appointments are that the newborn exam, the two-week weight check, the two-month, four-month, six-month when they're coming in for their vaccinations and their well-child visits. If there's any inkling that the testicle's not where it needs to be at those visits, 
that's the time to tell the parents, first of all, sometimes they move, they move across the country. And the last thing on their mind is, oh yeah, I'm supposed to see a urologist when he's six months old. And so identify, document, and tell the parents. The two, four, and six month visits, a lot of times those are templates. And so I always caution if you're using templates in your practice, don't just click the box on testicles. Make sure you've documented them first. Because sometimes when you ask, I've documented that I've been down the whole time. Sometimes those were templated exams and they've actually never been down. And so we really want to make sure we get that accurate diagnosis early in life so that we can refer. So take home messages are a good exam, identify and document, and then refer by six months of age. Lots of times people in training would hear varying things about when to refer to urology. And some would say if they haven't dropped on their own by age two, by kindergarten, by puberty. And so a lot of those myths, you know, we're trying to dispel with that AUA guideline on cryptorchidism, which is publicly available on the AUA website. And that really just emphasizes early referral by age six months, surgery between six and 18 months. And last, but most certainly not least, do not order imaging prior to referral. I also always want to encourage pediatricians and family med docs who are seeing newborn babies and, and toddlers in their practice, find a pediatric urology friend that you can just call. Sometimes it just takes one day of being proctored on exams to actually improve your physical exam skills. And that was actually studied out in Virginia where they brought in pediatric residents and they did one proctored exam on how to feel for unascended testes and their confidence and their accuracy went up thereafter, after just a single proctored exam. So sometimes if you're going to refer that child to the pediatric urologist, and if you're available, follow them over to the clinic or try to make it to that appointment so you can be proctored on the exam and just see, you know, is it truly an ascended testis? Is it a retractile testis? For the older kids, is it an ascended testis? And does it need to have surgery? Another little trick that we have that I didn't mention earlier when you asked about physical exam tips and tricks is if there's truly not a palpable testis, measure the testicle that's down, because if that testicle measures more than two centimeters in a baby or a toddler, that kind of gives you a hint that the other testicle isn't there. So that's called compensatory hypertrophy. You see it sometimes in a solitary kidney. It's similar for a solitary testicle. So if, if you don't have a testicle on that side, the other testicle is going to grow and kind of make up for the fact that the other one is not there. So we know that if it measures greater than two centimeters, there's a 90% chance that they don't have a testicle on the other side. And that really just helps us talk to parents and prepare them for the fact that when we go in for surgery, they might not have a testicle on the other side. Either it never formed, that's called a vanishing testis, or it just kind of shriveled up into a little piece of tissue that's not functioning. We call that a nubbin. And that gets removed because we don't want there to be any cancer cells in that little nubbin that might show up later in life. So it's just having that knowledge before they head into what's already a stressful situation, which is your baby having surgery, also helps guide our discussions. Well, that is tremendously useful and practical information. Thank you so much. Now, of course, we can't talk about anything medical nowadays without including COVID-19. So I have a question for you. We know mm -hmm. that COVID-19 has delayed many non-emergent evaluations and procedures. Is this something where you've seen delays in pediatric urology care and what's the potential impact? Sadly, we have. You know, when clinics were sort of shut down or limited due to covid Early on, and even in the midst of the first surge, kids weren't making it in for their well-child visits. And so that's when they're getting diagnosed by their amazing pediatricians who are doing their full exams. So when they weren't getting diagnosed and things were getting delayed, that delayed just initially the diagnosis. 
on the surgical end, you know, there were points in time where we were completely shut down to what they considered elective surgeries, which included doing an orchiopexy for an unascended testicle. And so those cases got pushed off as well. And so pushing off those cases, everything got backlogged and across the country in every medical system, those patients were being pushed off. So, you know, it did push some kids who maybe were candidates for spinal anesthesia into an older age group or kids that would have had surgery maybe in combination with another procedure. You know, there's lots of times we operate alongside our pediatric ENT colleagues. They're going to get ear tubes and we're going to put their testicle where it belongs all under the same anesthetic, which is great. And so a lot of those kids kind of got lost in the system too. So we really just encouraged all the parents get back to your well-child visits so that we can find these things proactively and refer at the right age. Yeah, hopefully now we're getting back to normal in terms of our ability to schedule these surgeries. And hopefully we've learned a lot from the experience of the last couple of years. We've been discussing the evaluation and management of a child suspected of having undescended testicles with Dr. Candace Granberg, a board-certified pediatric urologist at the Mayo Clinic Children's Center in Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for your time and expertise, Dr. Granberg. If you have enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please follow us. Stay healthy and see you next time. Thank you.